0: Happy Wu Wednesdays, and welcome back to Get a Heck Yes with me, Carissa Wu. Make sure to join my private Facebook group. I give a ton of free resources for you to thrive. So the theme of the week is taxes and accounting. Fun, right? Today's episode is with Brayden Drake, your gay best friend here to help you with legal and tax shit. He truly makes taxes fun and easy to learn because they are not going away check out his Instagram, he is very active on it and gives the best advice on his stories and feed. Enjoy this episode! time hacks because I'm a mom of two, a little bit of woo-woo, and most importantly, self-love and confidence are just a few of the many things we will talk about. I want to give you a genuine thank you for following along my journey. I hope to inspire you every Woo Wednesday so that you say heck yes to listening to this podcast. See you guys soon. Today, I have a very special guest, Brayden Drake from my favorite business and money podcast called Unfuck Your Business. What a great name! <laughs> He's your gay best friend and makes taxes and legal stuff and money in le- layman terms, which is very hard to do. And he changed my thinking to strive to hit 30K a month, and it's looking very possible with his help. And also be sure to check out his book, Unfuck Your Business, where you could truly step into the role of CEO. So welcome, Braden.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah. My friend, Lisa Marie Photography and like podcast episode three, she told me about you. I just had brunch with her and she's like, oh, do you do you know Unfuck Your Business podcast? You have to listen to it.
1: <laughs> oh, good, good, good. That's awesome. Yeah. Always good to hear people share or sharing it.
0: Yeah, so I'm not like a numbers person or a money person. I'm like more of a creative, I'm a hustler, but I'm definitely those type of people that don't know about like money and like, I don't know where it's going. Um, but yeah, tell me a little bit about how you got got started and how you are so good with your numbers.
1: <laughs> sure. Well, first I'll tell everyone if they want to go listen to the podcast, it's unfuck your biz. So B-I-Z mm-hmm. and uh, you got to put an asterisk for the U or it won't pop up which is probably a mistake on my part. So a little bit about my background. I uh, grew up in Indiana, went to Indiana University for undergrad. Uh, I moved to Southern California, San Diego for law school. And then um, just kind of meandered my way through and ended up uh, specializing in tax law. So after the bar exam, I went and got my master's degree in tax And from there, I started my own business. So I always kind of joke, I've never really been excellent at math, but I've always liked numbers, like if we can riddle how that works. Yeah. Um, But you know, like addition, (laughs) subtraction, percentages, those are fine. And that's really all we need to know anyway, to be uh, like financial savvy business owners. So that's what I like to educate on.
0: So do you live in San Diego now? Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. And then you were getting uh, becoming a lawyer. You said,
1: "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So I'm an I'm an I'm an attorney.
0: Oh, okay, okay, awesome. And do you work with a lot of wedding professionals? How did you, um, my friend, all my friends like seem to know about you, my wedding professional friends? So how did you get in like the niche of wedding professionals?
1: Yeah. So it was. Um, I actually worked when I was waiting for my raw results. I worked part time at West Elm. And I, yeah, we had a lot of like pop-up shops in there, a lot of creatives, um, mostly like painters and artists and floral people. So, Uh um, some of the floral people worked in the wedding industry, but really, it was a few of them uh, introduced me to Rising Tide Society. If you're familiar,
0: yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, I started attending like local events, and then I started speaking at a lot of the Southern California events. And although Rising Tide is like not a wedding specific group, it was founded by Natalie, who's a wedding photographer. So it's a lot of wedding professionals. Um, and now I'm the co-leader of the San Diego chapter of Tuesdays Together. So that's kind of how I got yeah. introduced to the wedding industry. Uh, but now I'm a lot of fr- I'm friends with a lot of like fellow educators uh, in the industry and go on a lot of a lot of podcasts and a lot of events and those kind of things.
0: Wow. Yeah. I'm in Rising Tide Tuesday together and Gabby, I think um, episode five, she's like the Pinterest queen. She was the president for Torrance. Um, So I'm all about Tuesday together and it's a great community.
1: Yeah, we did. um, I think two years ago, it was two or three years ago, it was a September the topic was legally protecting your business. So I reached out to every pretty much every leader in Southern California uh-huh. and I asked each of them if I could come speak to their group.
0: Oh, keep wow. in mind,
1: I said I live in San Diego, which is about as far south as you can go in California for those of you not familiar. And I spoke to um, I spoke to Palm Springs virtually, but I drove to Orange County, Thousand Oaks, Inland Empire, Temecula, Uh, both San Diego chapters. And I think I spoke to seven Tuesdays Together groups that month. Wow. Um, And it was a lot, you know, I think for one of the events, I think I drove like four hours, both ways to speak to five people. But when Uh you're getting started in your business, and you're trying to make a name for yourself, like those are the kinds of things that you have to do. Uh, And I'm happy to report that it was well worth it, I think.
0: Oh, I mean, that's such like, I love that hustler side in you. Like, what is the structure of your business? Is it more like, courses or do you actually like have tax accountants or are you you just more of like a coach and a mentor?
1: I'm primarily an educator now. Um, I am working on rolling out a one-on-one service. So I started out with a law firm, right? So I was doing legal work, mostly drafting contracts, forming LLCs, S-corps, that type of thing. Um, And then I got primarily into courses because educating is what I'm really passionate about. Um, Now I have one signature program called Profit RX. It's a monthly group coaching program, your prescription to help you build a healthy and wealthy business. That's the tagline. And it's really great. So I work with people in there. Um, I'm working currently on potentially, so don't hold me to this, but potentially rolling out that offer as like a a higher ticket VIP one-on-one offer for really those people who are at higher levels of revenue in their business. Uh Uh-huh. like just want like quick results. So those will be kind of the two ways to work with me uh, in the group program. And then with the one on one service, but yeah, mostly coaching and education.
0: Okay, okay. I'm going to ask you this question. It might be like kind of a dumb question, but it's going to like open up to the whole conversation. But why are like numbers so important? Knowing your numbers is so important in your business.
1: Yeah, well, we have like, we have to know our numbers, right, in order to know if our business is actually making money. Like, at the-, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like, we're all here to make money. I think we oftentimes forget that, right? A lot of yeah. us are in business because we're passionate about what it is that we do. But if we weren't trying to make money, like, we wouldn't take on clients. We would just, you know, photographers would just go take fun, like, they'd go to the park and they'd take photos and they'd call it a day, right? Yeah. So... Um, in order to stay away from having a full-time job elsewhere and not being self-employed, our business has to make a certain amount of money to sustain our lifestyle. In order to make that money, we need to know our numbers. We need to know which avenues in our business are most profitable. We certainly have to know our numbers in order to pay our taxes. Um, so all of these things are really crucial in order to build the business that we want to build. Most of us also aren't like at our... Like, dream profit goals right now, either. Uh-huh. So, there's uh, some numbers that we have to know in order to get there. And apologies if you can hear my dogs barking. They're very excited. It's okay.
0: I have a big dog too. So, he's going to bark too. <laughs> Once yeah. Amazon rings a doorbell, <laughs> it's all good. Okay. Um, I was going to ask you, like, how, because this is the title of my podcast, but how do you get that heck yes from your dream client? Like, what's your biggest sales technique? Or I know you've been doing this for a while, but.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, that's still like a a constant work in progress, right? So um, I actually just last month worked, I went through a group coaching program with a messaging coach. And this is what we were working on is how I could better message my programs to get those heck yeses. Um, But for me, it's really, you know, you have to figure out like, what's the problem that people have? What do they need help with? Uh And then how can we speak to that problem and deliver them like the actual solution? Um, So that's obviously the key, but then we all kind of have our own unique way to do that. And for me, it's taking these really scary topics and trying to make them like as fun and digestible as possible. And I think if people realize, oh, he teaches like the things that I need help with and it's like not going to be terrible, that's kind of like the (laughs) the one-two punch that I need to get a heck yes, I think.
0: Yeah. I honestly got to say like you're really good because I hate like numbers. I'm allergic to analytics. Like my parents never talked about money. I have a bad money story, but um, I actually could – I really enjoy listening to your podcast about numbers and I just listened to the episode about making like $200,000 a month and breaking it down to like the T and I was very intrigued.
1: Yeah. <laughs> $200,000 $200, a year. A year, yeah. <laughs> See, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know number wanna...
0: numbers or months or years. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't want to don't want to terrify your audience. Yeah, so that podcast topic, I highly encourage everyone to go check it out. Um, that podcast was really about how a lot of people talk about wanting to get to six figures, hundred thousand dollars, but really, when we break down our business expenses and our taxes, for most of us, that's not enough money in order to pay off our student loans and our debts, in order to re- and also save for retirement. What most of us really need is two hundred thousand dollars in revenue because after Figuring 30% for expenses and 25% for taxes, that then leaves us with Mm. $100,000 for all those other things.
0: Yeah, I feel like I'm like balling and then I'm like, where's my money?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's good. Like that's a good, it's a good threshold, right? So I mean, a lot of people, so a lot of people who talk about numbers talk about building a seven figure business. They talk about these really like high numbers. And for a lot of newer business owners, even 200,000 might seem astronomical. Uh But I believe that that's a figure that's doable for everyone, um, if they want to do that and it, um, should be a good goal. Now, if you are in a dual income household, you might not need your business to get to that point. That's totally fine. Uh, if you have a full-time job and you love your full-time job and you don't ever need to take your business full-time, that's an interesting consideration as well. Um, but for those of us who need our business to be like a real breadwinner, uh, $200,000 in revenue is a good target to have.
0: Yes. And just hearing you say it, like it just makes it like very, feel like achievable to me. So when you break it all down and feel like I could strive for more and then, you know, have money for retirement. Um, Okay. So I'm writing a book. It comes out in May. You already have a published book and it's amazing. So can you just tell me a little bit about like the process of writing it and publishing it and where it is now and how you're like kind of marketing it?
1: Yes, so I have a self-published book. I always like to clarify uh, okay. because really, to self-publish a book, all you have to do is decide, decide that you want to write one, <laughs> um, and then self down good, the road. Uh, a long-term goal of mine is to get um, a published, like a published book, through one of the big publishing companies. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I'll be the first person to let you know that that's not. Like that's really just, uh, it's like an egocentric goal. It's Mm. more of an achievement to have, not necessarily something that's important to move my business forward. Mm. But uh, yeah, so I have in, I joined a business mastermind a couple of years ago and there was a group of like six of us and one of my peers and my mastermind is a book coach her name is Jody Brandon. She also has a podcast called Write Published Market. So I highly recommend her podcast. It's fantastic. Okay. And she specializes in working with entrepreneurs to write nonfiction books that they want to leverage in their business to grow their business. So wow. since joining the Mastermind, it was always kind of in the back of my mind. Um, I always kind of wanted to write a book. It just seemed like it would be a fun... Challenge. It's kind of just my personality. Yeah. Uh, so I started working with Jody, and I actually already had um, my course textbook for my old signature program. I was already probably like 40 or 50,000 words. So a lot of that became the basis for what became my book, which is also titled Unfuck Your Biz, available on my website <laughs> if people yes. want to check it out.
0: And then you could actually – that's your freebie today. It's a free chapter of the book if you go to his website, and I'll link it up. Yeah, and I I listened to it. So good. Okay, one last question before we get into the hot topic. Let's see. What is your biggest accomplishment?
1: Well, the book was a pretty big accomplishment. Um, That was really, really awesome. And then also, I mean – it sounds kind of cheesy to say, but like anytime we have really great student success stories in the programs, that always feels yeah. like a big accomplishment, right? Because it's one yeah. thing to talk about like making money. It's another thing to like make an impact. Um, I'm a big believer that if we strive for both, we'll be doing pretty good.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: um I can't like really boil that down to one. Can you tell us like person, a, a client
0: win, a student win, this one?
1: I had two different students that joined around the same time. One of them was a wedding planner, one had an event rental company, but they both had some back tax issues with the IRS. Um, they were both at a pretty decent level of revenue though. So uh-huh. the program, when they joined, um, first we like got bookkeeping up to date, so made sure the books were all good. And then we dialed in how much they needed to be saving for quarterly taxes because I teach this concept called the oh shit cycle of back taxes. And before- <laughs> Off your old back taxes, you got to make sure you're paying quarter like current taxes, so that you don't keep on that cycle. And then after that, like we formed LLCs, uh, S corps, got on payroll, really dialed in the cash flow. And then once all of that was running, like dialed in a plan to pay down the back tax. So um, again, one of like my, one of my philosophies is that like you need to dial in your systems first, so that everything's smooth running forward. And then yeah. once you get smooth systems rolled out, then you can kind of look back and take care of the issues that you've created uh. in the past. And working with those types of clients is what kind of created the Unfuck Your Biz brand. Mm. Um, I pivoted a little bit now uh, with my new profit RX program um, because it's less on fixing business mistakes and more just about, you know, how we can build profitable businesses. Um, but it's nice we still have the book there for people who have made some of those mistakes, which is great.
0: Oh, I love it. Just talking about your client win just makes me like my shoulders just like, like melt. like, I feel like more relaxed, like, oh, like they could like relax in their business and just everything's like based on systems and they could just um, focus on growing and making profits. So that's amazing.
1: Yeah, that's, that's always the goal.
0: Yes. Okay. So we're going to get into our hot topic, which I'm super, super excited about, but you could tell, tell the listeners about the hot topic and why you chose it. I got in the last like two or three
1: days, 18 inquiries.
0: What the heck? Hey guys, you all know me. I'm Carissa Wu and I'm a coach for wedding photographers. I've also been a wedding photographer for over a decade, so I've been through it all. I was a shy, awkward girl and I've come so far. I'm now beyond passionate about helping wedding photographers not struggle how I did for so many years. It was six years into my business and I was so tired of being ghosted, nickel and dimed, and hearing the dreaded words, we went a different direction. I also knew I needed to find a way to not rely on referrals or paying $350 a month for the knot to get my leads. I didn't want to have anxiety about when my next payday was going to come and I wanted to scale my business. Fast forward to now, I created my very own stack system to help wedding photographers get constant leads and master the dreaded sales call and get a heck yes in 24 hours or less and charge more than four, five, six K. No more waiting around guys, this is our livelihood, our artistry and our passion and we deserve to be respected, valued and paid for what we are worth. I've helped so many wedding photographers, Watch my 20-minute masterclass all about lead generation and closing the sale. The link is in the bio. You don't want to miss out on the wedding boom, and you don't want to miss out on booking your calendar for 2022. It's engagement season, guys, so you don't want to miss this. See you guys soon.
1: So we're going to talk a little bit about common legal and tax mistakes and how to fix them. So this is kind of in keeping with our Unfuck Your Biz broader topic here. Um, Now, like I mentioned, now I run a program called Profit RX. Uh, most of what I taught in Unfuck Your Biz is still in Profit RX. I've actually expanded on it and built upon it. But before Profit RX was in existence, I ran four rounds of Unfuck Your Biz. It was a two thousand dollars course. I've had about seventy students go through that, and of wow. course, by teaching them, I've seen a lot. A lot, a lot of common legal and tax mistakes. So that's what we're going to talk about.
0: Okay, take it away with tip number one or mistake number one. I mean,
1: yes. Yeah, so mistake number one is not using contracts and not having insurance. So both of those things, um, okay. we need to have contracts. That's pretty obvious. I think everyone at this point knows that we have to have contracts, especially after. The year of COVID, 2020, we all saw how much of a disaster it was with cancellations and postponements, even if you did have a contract. Now we need to make sure that the contract is very thorough. So I could actually now add the mistake, like not properly considering cancellations, refunds, postponements in your contract. And then insurance is another big one as well. Um, I call contracts and insurance two of the legal layers of protection that you need in your business. The other layer is an LLC and i actually consider contracts and insurance to be the essential layers. they're kind of like the non-negotiables everyone needs to have those.
0: okay, so say like you're um a wedding photographer and maybe you're like in your third year making like less than 100,000, maybe like 70k. do you do you think they still should get a llc? yes. okay.
1: yeah LLCs so we can talk all about LLCs actually those are I have on the list of other mistakes as well so we can discuss it for sure Um, but the main thing with an LLC is an LLC helps protect it protects your personal assets right so if you're ever sued um, I also teach this concept I call the magic bubble of protection Mm -hmm. so I always tell people to picture their business in a magic bubble specifically if you're a photographer this is really easy like you can picture all of your photography equipment in this magic bubble. And if you were to be sued, um, you know, there's a various different reasons you could be sued. But if your business is sued, imagine all of that equipment like kind of exploding inside of the bubble. But the bubble protects everything on the outside from the explosion. So all of your personal assets are shielded by the LLC. So the LLC is the bubble. So that's how that works. Now, the LLC can't protect you from like any and every kind of liability, specifically if you've made like a personal mistake, because they could still sue you personally. Um, an mm. LLC isn't like the end-all be-all of legal protection, but in many states, they're quite easy to form and they're pretty inexpensive to have. So I really the only reason not to form an LLC is if you simply cannot afford it. And most of the time, you know, once we get our first few clients, that's not going to be the case. So you just go ahead and do it. Okay, cool. So how do they get the LLC? You form an LLC by filing with your state. Okay. Um, That's actually the easy part. The more difficult part with an LLC is then um, knowing or people not knowing that you then need to update your business license to be in your LLC name, you need to update your EIN, you need to update okay. your business bank account or open a new one, you need to have an operating agreement, meeting minutes. These are all part of what I, uh, not what I call, but what legally are called corporate formalities. They're the formalities you must have to maintain proper separation between you and your business. So okay. these are some of the things that I teach inside of my programs. I have something um, uh, it's the small business blueprint, and it's all the steps that you need to take when you go to form your LLC. So, where people really mess up is like missing some of these steps, uh-huh. and then their LLCs essentially worthless if you don't implement them mm-hmm. all.
0: Okay, got it. And then just one last question till we move to mistake number two. But um, for insurance, is it just liability insurance?
1: Yeah. So liability insurance. And then also um, it's always good to look into errors and emissions insurance or professional liability insurance.
0: Mm. Um,
1: Those two things are the two things that you really need to look for. Liability insurance is typically going to protect you um, against like if you physically harm someone, but errors and emissions insurance is what you want to look into for um, other kinds of liability, which could stem from you making professional mistakes like No, everyone's like terrified that all of their SD cards are going to like totally be Mm. (laughs) totally be wiped or something. Yeah, like that's something that would be protected um, ideally by an errors and emissions insurance policy. But these are the kinds of questions that we for sure want to ask our insurance brokers as well.
0: Oh, I never heard of that. That's so crazy.
1: Yeah, I did. Um, I did a podcast a month or two ago um, with a friend of mine who's an insurance broker, and we talked like about that for like 45 minutes. So it's a great episode.
0: Yeah, I'm going to check it out. I love listening to all these nerdy uh, tax (laughs) and money lingo. (laughs) You're opening my world, whole new world for me. (laughs) I got you. Thank you. Okay. Mistake number two.
1: So mistake number two is not paying quarterly taxes Mm. and also not filing taxes on time. So this this is a big one.
0: Okay. So quarterly taxes, you recommend quarterly taxes because you don't want to get hit hard at the end of the year, right?
1: Right. So you don't want to have to pay a big lump sum at the end of the year. Um, Also, if you for most of us, if we owe taxes, and we're not paying quarterly, we're actually going to end up paying penalties and interest as well. So we don't want to do that. Okay. Um, Penalties are no good. But the bigger issue um, is not saving taxes, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't pay quarterly taxes, but they do save. That's okay. You'll pay a little bit of a penalty, not a huge deal. But if you don't save for the taxes and then you get on that, oh shit cycle I mentioned earlier, that's a big problem um, because it's a really hard hole to dig yourself out of.
0: Man. Okay, cool. So... For quarterly taxes, do you recommend hiring an accountant or using QuickBooks or hiring you for your worksheets or your mentorship? How how should well, you start?
1: Yes. Well, everyone should go to theprofitrx.com. Okay. <laughs> and join my join my program. Um, I'll teach you all about it. Like specifically in um, our first module, I have everyone go through an exercise that I call the quarterly tax calculator. It's actually a Google Sheet, so a spreadsheet where it estimates how much you should be saving. Um, So you start there. You have to figure out how much you should be saving. And then uh, you need to have some kind of cash flow management system. So determining once a client pays you, what are you doing with the money? How are you saving it? When do you pay yourself? All of these essential steps and then the bookkeeping is kind of the next step after that. Um, obviously, very important for tax time. But when it comes to just paying quarterly taxes, that's easy. It's the knowing how to save it is the is the trickier part.
0: Do you recommend QuickBooks or um, like HoneyBook or to see like your cash cash flow?
1: Yeah. So. HoneyBook. So HoneyBook's a CRM, right? HoneyBook's Mm -hmm. a client relationship management program, along with Dubsado. There are many others. Um, Those are great. I highly recommend having a CRM to manage client contracts and invoices. And those will also show you income coming into the business. Um, But to do your actual bookkeeping, you're going to need a bookkeeping tool like a QuickBooks. Okay. Um, I currently am actually getting zero certified. Um, To be honest, like Right now, recording this, I don't have a strong preference between zero and QuickBooks, kind of learning them both, although I'm leaning towards zero. If you ask me again in one month, I might give you a much stronger opinion. But for newer business owners, um, I actually am just a big fan of using a spreadsheet. Um, I have a template in my program. And the reason for this is spreadsheets pretty quick. It's pretty easy. If you don't have a lot of income and you don't have a ton of expenses, it only takes you about 10 minutes a month to do your bookkeeping. Uh-huh. And you don't have to take like the hours of time it takes to learn the software. So uh, I recommend starting there okay. and progressing to software as you grow.
0: Cool. And it's good to like look at the worksheet to actually see like where your numbers are going.
1: Right, exactly. And if, like, because a lot of newer business owners, like, if you're a newer photographer, you know, you get like book one wedding in a month, you're very excited. Uh-huh. Maybe you like, four portrait sessions. That's only five transactions you need to put on your spreadsheet. And then you have maybe you're paying for Honeybook, you're paying for um, like my program, you're paying for. Calendly and like four other things, and then you have lunch with the business friend like twice a month, that's only like 10 to 15 expense transactions, you can manually enter those in about five minutes.
0: Oh, you make it so easy. (laughs) Okay, take us away, Brayden, with uh, mistake number three.
1: Yeah, so now um, we talked about like our two primary ones, the rest of these are all kind of less common. Uh, less people are making these mistakes, but still important to talk about. So one of them is forming an LLC in the wrong state. Um, it's a very bizarre issue. If you read like, and if you if you get enough of those like marketing bro, like form a cryptocurrency business, like Facebook ad or YouTube ad, I think you probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, there's a lot of hype around forming LLCs in states like Delaware and Wyoming. Those oh. are like the big two uh-huh. and Nevada. Generally, that's terrible advice. Um, You want to form an LLC in the state where you work and live. Um, Otherwise, you would need to then register your LLC as a foreign corporation in your home state, which is a pain in the ass. Then you have filing obligations in both states, so that's a smaller a smaller issue. I've seen several people do that though. Okay. Um, Another one
0: because they want to save on taxes.
1: Yeah, because they think they're going to save on taxes, uh right? But so California is a very expensive, California is a very expensive state, right? So ideally, I would love to not have to pay income taxes here. I would also love to not have to pay my LLC annual fee here as well. But if I form my LLC in Delaware, I'm still going to have to file income taxes in California because I li- this is where I live, right? Um, and I'm still going to have to register my LLC here because again, this is where I live and where I work. So now I'm doing filings in California and Delaware when I could just be doing them in California. It doesn't make any sense.
0: Okay, cool. Don't do that, guys. <laughs>
1: yeah, <so> don't, don't, <laughs> don't do that. Don't yeah. do
0: that. Um,
1: <laughs> and these, I see a lot of these issues too when people like form their LLCs places like LegalZoom. Um, oh, uh-huh. Like they don't know what they're doing. Um, not oh. necessarily legal, LegalZoom. It's just that like LegalZoom doesn't really give you any good advice. So it's a dumb service. I could... I could go on and on about that. Okay. So the next mistake would be forming <laughs> a single member LLC rather than a multi-member LLC. And again, this might sound pretty obvious, but um, I've had several students in the past who've had business partners. They were in partnerships, but then they accidentally formed a single member LLC, which meant their business partner was not on any of the legal paperwork. And you can imagine what kind of problems that would create. So mm. that's another. no. Okay. Um, Another issue would be forming an S-corp too early. Um, This is probably a more common mistake I had. uh, Just a couple months ago, I had a new um, student join my program who formed her business. She hired an accountant. The accountant formed an S-corp for her like day one of her business, Uh but did not put her on payroll. And one of the requirements when you have an S-corp is that you're on payroll. So I frankly don't know what that accountant was doing. Because that was incorrect. So, S corps are great. S corps help us save taxes, but S corps have certain requirements, and they require us to serve have a certain level of profit. So, typically, we're not looking into forming S corps until we're making fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars in profit.
0: So, don't do the single member LLC. Do the 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 team member,
1: multi member. If Multi-member. you have a business partner, so it's just okay. Uh, you know. Okay. Okay. So. If you're a solo business owner, you need a single member LLC. If you have a business partner, you need a multi-member LLC. Okay,
0: got it. Okay, and then five, don't don't file for the S-Corp too early. Yes. Okay, so S-Corp is different from LLC. Yeah,
1: so an S-Corp is actually a tax status. It's not a type of entity. You form an LLC and then you elect for your LLC to be taxed as an S-Corp. So you get different tax status. But when you do this, you have to put yourself on payroll, which means you actually take Hmm. a salary just like you would through any other company. And if you can't, if you're not making enough money in your business to pay yourself what's called a reasonable minimum salary under the law, then you have no business being an S Corp just yet.
0: Okay. I have a lot to think about today. (laughs) okay yeah I have a lot to think about but we're gonna go into rapid fire questions so I get to know you a little bit more okay Um, so I know like these numbers light you up a lot but what else lights you up like what are your hobbies what do you like to do for fun
1: um well I'm currently training for um my fourth Ironman triathlon if anyone
0: is what that is
1: I actually, um, at the time of recording this, I was supposed to do an Ironman triathlon last weekend in Sacramento, but the day we were there, they had a single day record for rain. Um, so I was standing, it was about 5.30 a.m., 40 degrees, pouring rain, heavy winds, standing outside in my wetsuit about to start this like 12 to 15 hour race, and they canceled it after Oh,
0: wow. We- so, yeah.
1: Um, that was a bummer, but it was unsafe conditions to be doing that kind of thing. in anyway, so we've now had to defer our race to Ironman Tulsa in May. So now I'll tell people this is my fifth time training for an Ironman, but uh, it will be my fourth Ironman, fingers crossed.
0: Wow. Yeah. Just from looking at you, um, you look pretty in shape and you look like you have like a West Elm vibe
1: in <laughs> your office because you work, you work there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I would say um, I actually work with a fair amount of interior designers. So that's fun. I have a lot of lot of ma- many varied interests and hobbies. Uh, Ironman, I do CrossFit. Um, when I'm not training, I like to play tennis and volleyball and basketball. I was a very wow. hyperactive child, as you can imagine. So I <laughs> need to move to get my energy out. But other than that, I love shopping. I love interior design. Um my husband and I have three little tiny doggies, oh, but uh-huh. and unless I'm like at the gym, like you'll usually just find us like on the couch watching Netflix.
0: Oh yeah. Me and my husband too. Yeah. <laughs> what, why do you think entrepreneurs are so allergic to numbers?
1: Yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, I I wouldn't say that it's all entrepreneurs, but definitely a lot of creative entrepreneurs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are exceptions, of course. Like I have yeah. friends who were accounting and finance majors who went into like the wedding industries. So it's very different for them. Um, but honestly, I think it's less of a problem with business owners and more of a problem with the industry as a whole like there aren't very really many people who teach these topics in an approachable manner so yeah
0: and you do you do that so you fill the gap
1: yeah i also i have um if anyone goes to my website i have a photo i had my brand photographer take a photo of me with her extra camera like uh-huh. looking at it very confused and basically i have some web copy on there that's like i have no idea how to work all the buttons on this camera like you shouldn't expect to immediately know how to do your own taxes
0: Oh, I love that. That's so true. It gives me chills.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: They're all um, learned skills. Let's see. Since I have a podcast, do you have any advice for me for to get the name
1: out? Any tips for you to get the name out on your own podcast? Yep. Yeah. I mean, my biggest tip would be to go interview on other podcasts. Um, okay. So like when are you ask me, Yeah. <laughs> I like. I don't even remember. Did we pitch your podcast, or did you ask me to come on your podcast?
0: I just DM'd you, and you dm me so so fast. I love that about you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I I love it. Anytime someone asks me to come on their podcast, that's amazing because we actually uh, my virtual assistant sends out three podcast pitches per week. Um, we have oh, a certain wow. like goal of interviews that we like to do each quarter, and so anytime someone approaches me, it's less work on our end. Yeah. Um, because the thing is, is, like if I go do a speaking engagement or I do a Facebook Live or I do an Instagram Live and I pitch my podcast, hopefully some people will go check it out. But some of those people may not be podcast listeners. Mm-hmm. I know if I'm yeah. on your podcast, people clearly already have the podcast app. They're listening. It's much easier to get them to jump over. So I think the best way or one of the best ways to market your podcast is to go promote it to other podcast audiences.
0: Thank you for that advice. I'm going to tell my, my VA to do that right after we get off the call. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, 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 for sure.
0: Okay, what is your woo factor? What is your unfuck your biz factor, Brayden factor? What makes you stand up?
1: Well, uh, my tagline, your gay best friend here to help you get your legal and tax yeah, legit. That probably makes me a lot different. Um, I also have... And this is like actually a good and a bad thing, but I have quite aggressive branding for the industry that we're in. I actually talked to, um, I have a friend who does Facebook ad consulting and I said, most of the people that I work with, you know, they all have like the pink branding they have. It's like a lot of blushes and golds, you know, all the wedding industry kind of stuff. And then my ads are like, unfuck your biz. And it's all like black and navy. And they probably just immediately think I'm like a bro marketer. So ah. it definitely helps me stand out, um, but then uh-huh. also it can be a little bit of a challenge as well. And that's why I really have to work on getting, um, like making sure I have a strong brand voice to go along with the imagery.
0: Well, I'm very feminine and I'm very attracted to your brand. Uh, I even showed some of my friends and I was like, oh, I love your brand. And you show up on <laughs> IG, IG Live and... Um, ig stories yeah. all the time so you're on it yeah I think it, wor- I
1: think it works really well with people who are introduced to me like through someone else uh-huh. um i just think it's different when you're just like oh, visually looking at it and you don't know who i oh, am
0: yeah 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 okay i got it okay can you ask me a question
1: um <laughs> sure what made you what made you want to start your podcast
0: I wanted to start my podcast because I became a coach during pandemic. I've been doing the wedding photography thing for 12 years. So I thought this was a good platform to learn, grow and grow my audience. And, um, just to kind of, it's a very intimate way of, uh, networking, which is what I found out in the past couple of months. Like I get to know. so I I
1: have a a really good question for you. So doing coaching, like doing coaching through the pandemic, What do you think was the biggest mistake you saw other uh, wedding professionals making with regard to cancellations, refunds, and postponements?
0: It's hard to say mistakes because it's the pandemic. Like, no one knew it was going to happen. But I think I kind of screwed myself because I let everyone reschedule. And then I normally don't do back-to-back weddings. That's why I've been been in business for 12 years because I I still, you know, like, love, love. But if you keep doing it back-to-back, like, you literally hate love. (laughs) (laughs) because you're just burnt out so everyone was rescheduling and i was letting everyone do it so then i'm doing back to back to back weddings with two kids and a baby and it's just miserable so i don't know if maybe i could have just gave some of the weddings to associates um i think that would have been better on my end just to see myself yeah because i really this year was just so crazy like you know wedding wedding season on steroids. And it it was, it was hard for me because I was maybe like not working for a year. And then it really hit me hard. And I wasn't used to it. And I like literally had a a panic attack, like an engagement session. I was just so overworked. Like I was literally like freaking out for no reason. And then um, I was working every day. And now I'm kind of like used to the grind. But, you know, it was just such a like a shock to the system. So yeah,
1: we'll I think that, it's. Yeah, um, I mean, it's. I mean, it's been a, just basically kind of like a shitty situation that most of us can't really help, right? But it's going to be. I mean, I think it's for a lot of people. It's going to be like that through through next, like through next year. Honestly, like I don't think it's going to get back to like the quote unquote normal until 2023, because you know, a lot of people who are supposed to get married last year postponed to this year, and then a lot of those people also postponed next year. So totally. Maybe like it's kind of this two week or two year cycle. What I've seen though is it's really changed the way people look at their contracts, um, mm-hmm. specifically all those provisions that I mentioned. And you know, I'm an eternal optimist, so sometimes it's annoying to talk about like the positives that's you know going to come out of this situation. Because you no, know, if we're going to be honest, it's like mostly negatives. But I yeah. will say, like <laughs> one positive is is it is really going to shore up the way people think about their contracts. And certainly with the way they think about their refunds, and that's something I talk about all the time. Is it's not enough just to be focusing about make like focusing on making money all the time. We got to focus on all right, well, how are we gonna keep that money that we're making? Well, mm-hmm. it's it's you know, making sure that you're not doling out refunds left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. So that was the big difference I saw last year. Um, a lot of my friends who were really seasoned in the industry that had solid contracts, they had a lot of respect from their clients and really great communication. They seem to get postponed, like they seem to handle their postponements pretty well. And a lot of the newer business owners were giving out refunds um, all the time. And then before they knew it, they were, you know, they were out of money and really struggling. Yeah,
0: that's so sad. Wow. Okay. That's, yeah, that's something to think about. Let's just, um, Brayden, give us like the last advice from you for like wedding professionals um, and then where to find you and then tell us more about how to work with you again.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, my last piece of advice is to take your business seriously, right? I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, like you probably don't really need that advice. Um, <laughs> but a lot, of, a lot of people tend to put off like the things that it is that I talk about, and we don't want to do that. Um, I also don't... Sometimes it's hard for me to talk about all these mistakes too, because people get overwhelmed. They think they need to do everything all at once. Um, that's not the case. This is where I will transition into my program pitch. Um, that's why I like to teach things in a very step-by-step manner. So we're gonna, you know, think about covering one thing at a time, which is what we do in the Profit RX. So again, if people want all the information on that, they can go to theprofitrx.com okay. to join. Um, also, subscribe to the Unfuck Your Biz with Braden podcast. And then I am very active on Instagram. So if people want to follow me, they can follow me. It's at Braden B-R-A-D-E-N, Adam, like the biblical character, Drake, like the rapper. That's my full name, Braden <laughs> Adam Drake. Uh, follow <laughs> That's me. Cool. That's a cool <laughs> rapper name too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, shoot me a message if you have any questions about the programs or you just want to say hi. Um, I love to send voice memos in my DMs. So if you message me, uh... I'll memo you back.
0: Yeah, and you truly are like the bestie on Instagram because you're always on stories giving like really cool advice and you're just like talking when you're running or at the grocery market or like oh, everywhere. No. So no. <laughs> it's so cool. It's so cool. It's yeah, so, yeah. uh, yeah.
1: I get I'm actually now I'm starting marathon training. So after you're running like 10 miles every day, you start to get bored. So I just do Instagram past uh, the time.
0: Oh, that's so funny. I do a lot of my social on the treadmill too. <laughs>
1: nice yeah it's a good good way to multitask while being productive yes,
0: yes I'm definitely going to recommend you to all my students because I teach more about the uh the sales call and the leads and yes. then you talk more about the money side and all the legal stuff and the taxes so I definitely don't teach that so I'll, I'll hand them over to you <laughs>
1: Good, good. Yeah, that's one of the things I talk about a lot. Like you, I mean, you have to have good marketing, right? You got to learn from people who are going to teach you how to convert people on your sales calls, how to make the revenue. But also, like, if your revenue seems to be disappearing all the time, then clearly revenue generation is not the only thing that we need to focus Uh, on. Yeah. Talk about what you're doing with that money once you actually get it. So you and I can be like the one-two punch to cover both of those things.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> we are the one-two punch. Boom, boom.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Knock you out. <laughs> cool. Well, I love this conversation, Brayden, and thank you. I know you're a busy guy, so good luck on your Iron Man and I wish you the best of luck.
1: Thank you.
0: <laughs> you're welcome. Thanks for joining me this week on Get a Heck Yes with Carissa Wu. Make sure to follow, subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend about the show. Take a screenshot and post to IG. Tag me. Also, don't forget to download my free guide on how to become a lead generating machine. See you next time, wedding pros.